welcome to a novel evening as ever i am danny you can find me over on instagram it's at blotted ink books and for this episode i am joined by the author of the new release common decency um it's a really interesting look into the lives of two women, Siobhan and Lily, and how their lives intertwine. Uh, Lily is mourning the, the recent death of her mother um, and is living alone, and her neighbour Siobhan is engaging in, a, in an affair with a married man. And it's a very intense look at their behaviours, how they relate to one another, um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was completely not what I was expecting at all. I'm incredibly excited to welcome Susanna Dickey onto a novel evening to chat with her all about the book and, of course, to delve into her fictional fantasy evening. So, a massive hello to Susanna. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I feel like summer is finally here. Like, I don't know about you. Mm, yeah, no, I can always tell it's summer when um, on the five minute walk from my house to the train station, I sweat as much as I might normally do over kind of four consecutive days. Yes. Um, yeah, we don't deal well, do we, with heat of any kind? No, I know it's summer down here at the beach because people put up signs in shops asking people to wear shirts Aww, and shoes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, oh, it's summer because people aren't wearing tops in shops. Do That's you feel the inclination to kind of walk around topless and with your feet out? Yeah, I'm missing out on something here. I didn't know this was a thing you could do. So yeah. maybe I need to do it more. Yeah, I was kind of, I was recently asked you know if as we should do we're able to kind of fully like dismantle prescribed gender norms what would be like the first thing I do and the first thing I would do would be like go for a run completely topless and just like let the boys out give them a little bit of body. I feel like I'd knock myself out if I did that <laughs> I like the theory I don't know if I'd like the practicality of any yeah. sport topless as a woman actually um yeah, cycling yeah. would be uncomfortable yeah that's true yeah I mean yeah it's, it's not it's not a foolproof plan it's, uh, it's not but I I agree and I think you know if there are gentlemen out there who are going into restaurants and bars in you know open shirts with nothing underneath we should be doing that exactly exactly yeah I want to let my kind of bouncy little flesh bags bounce as they bounce you know I think we'd be much better to look at as well. I'm not going to lie to you. I'd be much happier with a sea of like amazing badass women doing it than I would like yeah. one pasty man. Exactly. exactly. You know? yeah. I want I want to see nipples with a bit of context, you know? I don't want a nipple on a flat expanse. I want, you know, that little bit of adipose. Yeah. I want a nipple that's, that's telling a story to me. Exactly. And it's got a bit of life behind it. Exactly. <laughs> and my nipples have got stories. So <laughs> it would be great. But I, I feel like we have we have devolved this conversation from books <laughs> to breasts. Um, <laughs> you're obviously here to talk all about your your newest book, which yeah. is very, very exciting, Common Decency. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's not at all what I was expecting. Oh. <laughs> I have to say, I don't I don't know what I kind of expected when I started reading, but it was it's a little darker than I thought it was going to be, like for sure. Um, tell me a little bit about the book and how it started, how you, how you came up with the idea. Okay, um, well, strangely, like it, it grew out of a short story that I wrote years ago, um, which grew out of a title, which I came up with out of looking at do you know that um, Bruegel painting, Landscape with the Fall of Icarus? Mm -hmm. Like, so, you know, in that painting, you've got all the arable workers, you've got the fishermen, you've got this beautiful spring day, all going about their business. And then in just the corner of the painting, you've got this little set of legs flailing <laughs> haphazardly in the sea as, as Icarus drowns. And all these kind of um, more kind of insalubrious, like normal people are just going about their days completely unaffected by this small catastrophe in the corner. And I thought, you know, what if I could write like a story um, where this person's life was falling apart, um, but everyone around them 
was completely none the wiser to it. Um, mm -hmm. How this kind of huge catastrophe to a small life could have no discernible impact um, on, on the people existing and being around him. Um, so I thought, you know, what if I tried to write uh, this character who whose world is is slowly kind of disintegrating and who tries to exert a concentrated effort on the life of another person mm -hmm. to absolutely no avail. Um, and, and yeah, that's kind of what the story grew out of. Um, and then as time went on, I then uh, developed this other character, the person upon whom this other yeah. person is trying to exert influence and how their own life was actually also falling apart in different ways. And then how these two lives could sit um, in a prox like a proximal sense, very, very close to one another, but with neither of them having any true insight into what the other person was going through. I think it's really fascinating that you've gone from this big catastrophe, like you say, Icarus, everyone knows the story. <laughs> And actually in our lives, we all have little catastrophes that mm. mean so much to us and have such a huge impact. And as you say, you know, you can walk past a house day to day and there's a marriage breaking down behind the doors or a death in the family or, and you're none the wiser as to what's yeah. going on. And it's so interesting, especially with neighbors. That's what I found really fascinating about the story is once upon a time, you knew your neighbors, you yeah. knew them intimately, yeah. you know, you would be in each other's business and you'd know if, you know, their children were getting married or their mother had died or, and it's so interesting how closely we live our lives, mm. knowing nothing about people. Yeah. yeah. And I found it really, you know, when Siobhan meets Lily, you know, multiple times and cannot, you know, seem to remember her. <laughs> That just wouldn't happen, you know, yeah, 10, yeah. 20 years ago. It's crazy, yeah. isn't it? And it's amazing, you know, because, you know, the, the population of the world is is skyrocketing. Our, our urban spaces are becoming so densely, densely packed with people living. But also we're living in a kind of political moment that um, kind of Germany, it's loneliness, you know, like we are living in a time which doesn't kind of foster... Uh, a sense of stability, a sense of happiness, you know, people are just kind of trying to hold on. And, and that also, you know, breeds a very kind of isolated, resected, claustrophobic way of existence um, that doesn't, you know, facilitate human connection or human intimacy. Yeah, Dan, I think social media as well is a huge part. It's so easy now to communicate through screens with people yeah. and feel like you know someone because you follow them on Facebook mm. or Instagram and and not really know them. I, th I think it's so fascinating to imagine. And as you say, someone integrating themselves into your world or trying to. Yeah. It's so odd. Mm. Well, once upon a time, it wouldn't be that odd to get involved yeah. in your neighbor's stuff. Yeah, yeah, you know, I feel like, yeah, and as, as little as like maybe kind of 10 years ago, 20 years ago, there was probably a much more kind of thriving sense of like local community, maybe, but yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah. So that's I, it fascinates me. And both of your characters in the book are not the most likable characters <laughs> in various ways. How is that to write? When you're writing a character that is gonna have people on the fence morally, mm. How does yeah. that feel? Yeah, I mean, I feel like, you know, kind of that's that's something to strive for, isn't it? You know, to kind of, you're, you're not, you, you don't want to write a character who is kind of unimpeachable or some glorious like paragon of like virtue or, or good ethics. Um, because, you know, that's not what really any of us um, is like you know um, we're all kind of incredibly fallible in our own ways um, and I think you know something to strive for is to write flawed people who have you know obviously in essence a kernel of of humanity of, who are empathetic while simultaneously being completely unbearable <laughs> <laughs> you want to shake these two characters so <laughs> bad at points and like we've all had one of those friends you know I've had mm. friends who have had been married and have had affairs or have been in relationships mm. that you can literally see imploding and it really is that feeling of watching a car crash and you're reading you're like if I could just get in there and just yeah. shake these people which I love 
Mm. I love characters that you'll get really cross by. And I think <laughs> you, both of these characters, by the end, you want to just roar at them and you want to be in there with them. Yeah. And I love that it's, it's brave to write characters that people aren't going to necessarily love or, or even like. Mm. Yeah, because yeah, I think, you know, what I'm trying for is to kind of show, like have a reader be able to like sense this, like these characters who are who don't even really have a tenable grasp of their own actions or their own motivations like you're like why are you acting in this way you know you say you want to be this and you're doing this why can you not sense this dichotomy between your supposed wants and what you're actually doing and I'm like well that's me <laughs> um, and you know I think if you can kind of use your book to draw attention to just the huge kind of feelings of logic and the strangeness of the human psyche, then it makes for, you know, a more interesting kind of reading experience. Oh my God, definitely, <laughs> definitely. And obviously your first book, Tennis Lessons, hmm. came out during really the height of pandemic times. It was, you know, yeah. really in the midst of that. How does this compare now bringing a book out compared to then? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, you know, cause when the book came out during lockdown, it was, it was such a strange time because restrictions had just very gently eased up yeah. and I spent really that whole summer in Ormo Park in Belfast just drinking we just we just went sat in a huge sprawling circle um, miles apart from one another and just drank cans cans after cans after cans and then 10 p.m would hit the wardens would come right and we'd go <laughs> hide in the long grasses so we could stay in the park until after closing time and then we'd crawl through a home and uh, th crawl through a hole in a gate to get home at 3 a.m um and yeah yeah my book came out in the middle of that and I remember that day and again it was just again a day like every other day became we just all went and sat in the park and I was like oh by the way yeah yeah except now I've now I've got a book <laughs> um but yeah it was quite humbling <laughs> um, yeah because I think the thing is you know to think about how it was to like release a book during the pandemic you know it was like how it was to do anything mm. during the pandemic it was incredibly disquieting and <laughs> alien and, and weird as hell um whereas this time you know now I can get drunk inside <laughs> you can celebrate it indoors not in a field <laughs> yeah you know I'm gonna celebrate it within four walls like what a luxury and you'll get to do events like yeah. in person yeah. which must be pretty cool well it is except you know I kind of can't help but wonder if uh the sellability of my work might in fact actually plummet the more people have to spend time with me <laughs> I feel like probably I am a much more appealing author if you never listen to me or meet me <laughs> you're like I come across excellently across the internet when I don't have to open my mouth yeah yeah I'm, I mean I'm I'm a real people person provided I'm nowhere near people. <laughs> I mean, that is exactly what I'm sure your publicist needs to hear you say. <laughs> I was just like, oh, good God, that is the opposite of everything. <laughs> I remember once in an email I referred to this novel as um, a sad and silly little story. And my editor was like, Susie, please stop calling your novel a sad and silly little story. <laughs> If that's not the tagline, somewhere <laughs> on it, I would be so disappointed. <laughs> I think that was hilarious. And you know, humble. You, you're, you're being humble, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, sit, I sit in my silly little bed and I write my silly little books. That's my, that's my Ars Poetica, you know? I mean, we, look, we all have to have something that gets us up in the mornings, don't we? And if that's, if that's your motivation and it's working. Yeah, these silly little it. books won't write themselves. <laughs> Who's going to write these silly little books if it's not me? Look, there are people out there writing pornography about dinosaurs. Everyone's got their niche, right? You found yours. Oh, can you give me some recommendations? <laughs> I don't, I'm not necessarily buying them. Um, oh God, I feel like I should backtrack. I have heard rumor of such books, but I've never plummeted the depths of Amazon to, to find out. But you know, everyone's got their, got their market and you've obviously found yours. <laughs> Bless you. Well, 
I'm a little confused now by what I think your evening's gonna be. Um, mm. I'm assuming that the setting won't be getting drunk in a park. No, no, no. Um, I think I've gone for a setting that kind of combines the the high, lofty, artistic pursuits of the of the you know the the you know the New York school with um. Ooh. Anyway, no, it's it's. I'm setting it in the M and M store in in Leicester Square. <laughs> But I'm gonna be honest I've been there one time so I'm a real country mouse I've been to London like a sprinkle of times and one time we went to the M&M shop because I was like I need to know what the fuss was. I was very poor as well we we hadn't long owned our home um and in my head I was like M&M's that's like what like 80p a bag like I'm gonna cut tons no not in that M&M shop it's not it's just like truly amazing how they've managed to like build this you know, humble kind of less good smarties into like this dystopia, this empiric like panopticon, this like dark underworld sprawling over four floors. Like I've just- never heard M&Ms referred to as shit smarties before. Um, <laughs> their marketing is much stronger than smarties. Although I read something the other day that was quite disturbing about the the kind of the humanoid M&Ms. Yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, like the fact they're not, they're obviously naked because the lady M&M wears shoes and a little bow and stuff. Yeah. And a skirt. So they're obviously nude. And then they're eating M&Ms at one point. Like, so are they eating their children? Like they're (laughs) self-cannibalizing. The eggs of their female. They're just sat eating. And I was like, oh, they did not think this through at all. Like, have you ever heard of that, um, this dish they serve in some restaurants called like mother and child salad and it's a salad that has both chicken and egg in it (laughs) I've never even considered that if I eat like fried chicken with an egg how sad that is but also to to call it that right right it's so upsetting some things you just don't want to have drawn to your attention you know (laughs) brought to your attention but yeah, so that's, you know, that's what big M&Ms are doing when they're eating little M&Ms. They're eating the baby M&Ms. Okay, so we're going to go to the, the M&M store. I'm guessing it will just be us. I'm guessing it's close to the general public. Yeah, 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 yes, yeah. Just okay. us. The whole four floors of this, like, psychotropic hellscape is ours for the exploring. I did not know. I did not visit four floors when I went. Maybe I just did floor one and was like, this is too much for me and then left. What's also interesting about it is when you go in on the walls, they have kind of um, mock versions of famous uh, paintings, but with the protagonist of the paintings replaced by M&Ms. <laughs> I guess implies that there is this whole like, like parallel universe that exactly models the human universe, but everyone's an M&M. It's really upsetting and kind of dystopian, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And especially if they're eating their own kind. Exactly, exactly. It's all little Planet of the Apes for my taste. There's some weird stuff going on, okay. So we're going to be surrounded by terrifying M&M paintings. I'm guessing the food will involve M&Ms. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. We'll be dining exclusively on (laughs) M&M based dishes. that you could possibly have m&ms and i feel like there's gonna be savory recipes out there for m&ms there's gonna be yeah and they're gonna be disgusting it's like Like, mole is that the like chocolate based sauce you can put on chicken yeah yeah it's gonna be a lot of that like like caviar on those little crusty bits of bread but the cavellinis yeah yeah, (laughs) smushed up m&ms because obviously they're eggs, so they're, you know, fish eggs. Oh, yeah, the, the egg, yeah. I, you know, I really love M&M's as well. The brownie ones are super. I mean, they're great. They're excellent. I don't know why they had to build out this whole, like, horrible world out of what was a solid sweet. Yeah, there's this whole thing. They've opened recently in, in Street and in, uh, in Somerset. They've opened, like, a Haribo shop. Yeah. And again, it's a similar thing of, and people are going nuts for it. And like, you, you guys will know you can just get Haribo, like your local court. Why do you need to go and buy like extreme priced Haribo? Why do we have to make it a lifestyle? 
Why does it have to be an event? Why does it have to be somewhere you take your children? Like, right, you know, I don't want to wear like my M&M hat and lift dinner out of the oven using my M&M oven mitt before going to bed with my husband and having sex with our M&M condoms, you know? <laughs> I wish that was a thing. How uncomfortable could you make that situation? On it is as bad as the actual advert where he like finds her in bed with the big M&M and you're like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and also, yeah, like the punchline, again, of that ad is the husband comes home and and suggests that the wife was going to eat the M&M without him. So she's just been making love to an M&M who she's, who she's planning on devouring. She's a That's real black widow shit. Yeah, black widow, real dark stuff. They're trying to use, you know, they're trying to sex up M&Ms and I don't think they needed it in the first place. I'm guessing our uniform for the night then will be our M&M hat and M&M yeah. t-shirt. Yeah, right. full, full head to toe M&M garb. I can't wait to see which literary brains you've invited to come and dress <laughs> up in M&M gear and exclusively dine on hard shelled peanut sweets. Um, I am, this is a first. You're the first person to come on with this, <laughs> with this suggestion. So who's, who's going to turn up? Okay, well, I've been given this a lot, a lot of thought. Okay. Um, because I think I want like a healthy, you know, combination of people, uh, characters from a wide like span of time periods and, you know, uh, yep. metaphysical capabilities. So we're going to start with, um, have you read If Cats Disappeared from the World by Genki Kawamura? I haven't. I have seen it all over Bookstagram. I have heard wild and wonderful things about it. Um, I'm now just trying to put this this idea within the M&M store. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I haven't read it. But uh, tell me, tell me everything. So premises, this uh, protagonist uh, discovers he has an inoperable brain tumour. Um, and he's terrified, you know, faced with his own mortality, so many things he hasn't done, so many things he hasn't said, um, and he makes a deal with the devil, um, and the devil says, uh, you will live an additional day on this earth for every thing or item or um, animal or entity that you are willing to wipe off the face of the planet. Um, so one day he chooses to get rid of phones, um, one day he chooses to get rid of cinemas um, and one day eventually he chooses to get rid of cats um, but yeah the, per the character I'm inviting to the dinner party is the devil because I really really like the devil in this book because he manifests as the protagonist but wearing a Hawaiian shirt uh, <laughs> I can imagine him now turning up as you in a Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. And I think I've always wanted to know what I would look like in a Hawaiian shirt. You know, you can um, buy those, right? They're not a fictional item. So what? <laughs> <laughs> I've heard you could get Hawaiian shirts and you could wear it in front of a mirror. It's just a thought. Um, might be easier than summoning the devil, but... Oh, God. <laughs> I, really... I will take his deal because I can immediately think of some people I want rid of. Oh, okay. So I'd, I'd be trying to be like, that deal you offered, is that mm -hmm. for anyone? Can we all take it? I don't yeah. want anything in return, to be honest with you. <laughs> that just sounds I'm, like a fun deal. Yeah, you'd, just, you'd be happy to obliterate some people. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like my dream. I mean, and the devil is always, I think whenever I've read a book with the devil as a character, mm. I always warmed them. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, well, I think probably if the devil wasn't, you know, deeply charismatic and appealing, most of kind of Christian theology wouldn't, you know, stand up to much, you know, if the devil wasn't, you know, great shakes, great crack. <laughs> he wouldn't no. be doing so hot, really. Yeah, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't be so damn tempting. <laughs> I mean, in all of his many forms, you know, even like Hades, just mm. debonair. I think, I think, it, yeah. And I'm trying to picture death in an M&M cap. Yeah, yeah. So we've got, yeah. He probably know. invented the M&M store. This seems like something he did. That's the thing. I think, uh, you know, it's going to be exactly his environs because, you know, probably hell and the M&M store 
the, 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 one di- the, same. the <laughs> diagram of their similarities is just a circle that is what hell is is yeah. just never being able to escape the eminent and you can't eat any of it that would be yeah. hell yeah yeah I already work for him. Look at this. I'm just pitching <laughs> for a position. Okay, so the devil has arrived. Yeah, yeah, he's there. Um, and he's me, but in a Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, uh, donning some M&M merchandise. Okay, I'm I'm here for it. Who's there? He's there. For, yeah, he's just there for kind of like the witty repartee, you know, the vibes, and also for vibes. me to see how I would look in a Hawaiian shirt. vibes. Yeah. <laughs> um. Next, we have uh, and this is you know maybe a slightly off piste one. We have um, Jude from Thomas Hardy's uh, uh, late 19th century novel, Jude the Obscure. Um, And Jude the Obscure is a very, very sad, miserable, well-meaning little man um, for whom just everything bad happens forever. Yeah. Um, What's your reasoning for... (laughs) Why is he here? Well, because I think for starters, it would be really, really funny to take a kind of down on his luck sad man from the 19th century and put him in the M&M store because he's just going to freak out. He's just going to freak his shit. (laughs) (laughs) And then the devil is there, but it's also you in a Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, exactly. You know, like you've got this man who had these aspirations to become a priest wasn't rich enough or smart enough to become a priest and you're just like here's the m&m store and he's just gonna sit in the corner and cry oh i see i grew up in hardy country i've i grew up literally right next to max gate um so i would be able to kind of relay as well what dorset is like now which i yeah. think I'd love like yeah it would blow his tiny mind yeah, it'd be great i mean he'd be very upset with what we've probably done to the place to be <laughs> honest with you but i mean it would be interesting. Uh, I feel like this is a little bit of torture that you've put in. You want it to be a priest. The devil is there. Yeah. yeah. There's some terrifying M&M paintings filling the room. Well, you know, also potentially quite edifying for him because look, here we have visible proof yeah. that everything you believe in is true. There is a devil. You were right to live your life in such penury and misery, <laughs> hoping that someday you would go to heaven because there is a hell and you're in it and it's the M&M store. Also, the devil is super chill, so... He's got them holiday Hawaiian vibes, you know, he's working that shirt. A Jude has just turned up and is not in the party spirit, but okay, maybe we need to get, get another side of Jude. Yeah, exactly. There's this great scene in that book where um, he's finally won his, the heart of his fair lady, um, who it turns out is a bit of like a megalomaniac and a bit dodgy, but there's this scene where part of why he loves her so much is because of her lustrous, lustrous hair. He's in love with her beautiful, thick, glossy obsidian hair. And then the on their wedding night, she's sitting at her dresser um, and she takes out uh, all her hair extensions and just his world falls apart. Who has not been there, my friend? <laughs> Oh, dude. Oh, he can lament a bit about that then. He can get some of that off. <laughs> off yeah. Yes, he was completely duped, catfished. Yeah. By the hair extensions. Yeah. So, yeah, Jude's there. Jude's there. He's arrived. Um, He's got a bee in his bonnet. Okay, okay. Who? <laughs> who's next? Uh, next, we've got, um, um, you know, I'm aware, you know, as I'm saying these out loud, I'm not sure how good a dinner party this will make for it's more like a kind of orwellian social experiment <laughs> um but okay but um i'll give you some context for this next one okay which is something i always always think about is you know if i was given the opportunity to like wish for anything mm-hmm. something i would love is to know how it is to be a horse you know what's going on in a horse's mind what is horse consciousness like um I'm a little scared now <laughs> okay but something I'm equally terrified of is oh what if I wish oh I want to experience how it is to be a horse but then once I was a horse what if I no longer have the faculties to wish myself not to be a horse anymore and then I was trapped as a horse forever and what if it's horrible to be a horse what if horses are just screaming inside their head perpetually they are being sat on like, well, exactly. 80% of the time 
Yeah, I mean, I quite infrequently get sat on, but when I do, I don't care. No, it's not fun. No. Okay. I think you need a time limit then. If you're going to make that wish, be like, I want to be a horse for Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I want to be a horse for 10 minutes. Yes. Okay. So we've got the context. How does this relate to who's coming? Okay. So there is is a short story uh, called Axolotl um, by a Hispanic writer um, called uh, Cortazar. And in that story, a man goes to the zoo in Paris every day to look at the axolotls. He is really fascinated by the axolotls. Also, I love an axolotl, so you had me at that. I love an axolotl. Actually, you know, how this might tie in is, so when axolotls are born, they just look like tiny, normal-sized adult axolotls. Axolotls' bodies never change. They just get bigger. Okay. So in a way, very similar to an M&M. Yes. If the mini M&Ms are the babies and the big M&Ms are the fully grown ones. M&M yeah. Also, yeah. They're the same, same, but big. Yeah, the same, but big. So, okay. um, but yeah, so he goes to see the axolotls every day at the zoo in Paris. And he's, you know, he's fixated on wondering what it's like to be an axolotl. What's going on in an axolotl's mind? And then one day he's staring so deeply into the axolotl's mind that his consciousness gets transferred into the axolotl and then he's trapped as an axolotl for eternity. Oh shit, forever. Yeah. Oh, I imagine being an axolotl is quite boring. They're very cute, but they don't do a lot. They don't do a lot. They're invariably kind of trapped in these fairly limited tanks. They just sort of pad about. Yeah, and what do they even eat? I'm assuming they eat. Yeah, yeah, presumably not M&M's. (laughs) <laughs> that might no um yeah so but yeah so I transferred if... that to a horse yeah so so who's invited to the party is it the axolotls or is it the character the axolotl is invited to the party because... with the man's brain inside it yeah right i thought the devil might be able to bring the man's consciousness oh. back out of the axolotl so the man could tell me what it's like to be an axolotl oh you've thought this through see you've thought this through and then i get to keep the pet axolotl yeah then you get a pet axolotl and really all the m&m merch you can take home yeah (laughs) what more do i want for an evening (laughs) you get an axolotl you get an m&m golf club Yeah, I get to fill out one of those big ass tubes that nobody yeah. ever wants to eat from. Yeah, I'm a big, is it like a big shoe you can get full of M&Ms? Yeah, yeah. You can put your face on them as well. I've seen that you can print your faces <laughs> on the M&Ms if you want that as like a wedding favor or something. Um, oh, that's good to yeah. know. Uh, no, they just respect people who have M&Ms as wedding favors. Do you? Um, <laughs> I don't know if I want my face all over them. Okay, so we've got the axolotl man is coming to meet the devil. Yeah. Maybe bring him back out of the consciousness of the axolotl. Jude is going to just shit his pants while all of this is happening. Yeah. Devilry and witchcraft. Jude is going to be losing his mind. He's going to blame all these coloured sweets that we're packing into him. Yeah, exactly. Okay, it's it's an interesting mix. I'm going to give you that so far. It's not what I was expecting. Okay, so is there anyone else coming? Um, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, and here, this is where I'm quite torn, but um, someone I would like to be there is uh, the, ah, um, oh, yeah, God, I'm, I'm running out of spaces. Um, but someone I would like to be there is Evelyn Wall. Okay. <laughs> um, because, have you ever heard the Evelyn Wall banana story? No. Basically, during the war, when uh, bananas were rationed, uh, one day, Evelyn Wall's wife came home with three bananas as a special treat for the family, um, which is really exciting because bananas, there was a real scarcity of bananas. Um, So she brought home these three bananas. Uh, Evelyn Wall gathered his children around the kitchen table. He uh, presented the bananas. He got a tub of cream, poured cream over the bananas and proceeded to eat them all while his children watched. <laughs> like, he's just a real asshole. Yeah, man. Wow. 
And I mean, I'm a bit of an asshole of a parent. And even I would say, mm, it's a little far. <laughs> yeah, even you, you'd give your kids, you know, one banana at least. I'd let them share one banana. Yeah. You know, I cut a banana in half for them. Oh, see, that's, you know, that's sweet. Especially in the war. Come on, yeah. like, like, dude. Very few kicks to be had during the war. You know, it's not a time kind of renowned for its like levity and mirth. These kids maybe had never tasted a banana. Maybe yeah. he didn't want them to taste what they may never have again. That's true. That's true. I mean, I like how you're spinning this. Yeah. <laughs> That's like, how I'd sell it to myself yeah. if it was my kids. Yeah. I feel I like you could be Evelyn Wall's like spin doctor. <laughs> yeah. I was like, look, you don't want to let them, you know, they may never get a banana again. Is it crueler to let someone have a taste of something they may mm-hmm. never get again? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What's crueler? Um, wow. He sounds like a dick. So... Yeah. Um, what's your purpose in him being there? Um, I always like meeting people who are just dickheads to the core because you know especially at a dinner party you always want someone who you can like just like reel on like really just like go to town on like just every dinner party I think needs a whipping boy like Uh, to be fair I agree like a shared enemy that everyone else can like come together and just rip the shit out of who was the one on like come down with me he's got the really famous meme oh, and everyone no. absolutely hated him he was such an ass right up until the end and deep down we all hate him you secretly wish you'd been at that dinner party so yeah. you could join in with the like exactly. sniggering. yeah those these people are important you know people need a common enemy to unite against yeah I'm and the devil is there so yeah. the devil will teach him so maybe he'll end up in the axolotl you know actually I don't yeah. want to see that home <laughs> and also you know I kind of want to see what would happen if say we were sitting at a dinner table you tell Evelyn Waugh that uh, M&Ms are in short supply and just see how many M&Ms that man will eat to ensure that no one else gets any be like are you taking some home for your children he'd be like no 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 these are all for me you know I've I've eaten 12 kilograms of M&M's thus far and I'm just getting started and that's only a small box in that store as well so (laughs) (laughs) that's one big shoe filled with M&M's wow this is so is that it is that your spaces or have you got room for one more Uh, I think I've got room for one more and I'm and I'm torn here I'm torn here between two two um prospective um invitees and One I would be bringing for her like wit, her erudition, her charm, her like off-piste quirky insights. The other one I would be bringing because uh, I would maybe like to get laid at the end of the dinner party. Um, <laughs> okay, okay. So who, who are we choosing between here? Okay, so I'm choosing between uh, the American poet Marianne Murr. Right. Um, who was, yeah, mid-20th century, uh, just really really funny just just would be an absolute dream would be just would bring all the charisma the the quirky insights the idiosyncrasies she would just be the life and soul okay which is Um, important which is important yeah Um, there was this thing in uh 1958 where ford asked her to come up with um some names for their new car uh because they they realized that their like line of Lincoln cars they were called, which they thought would be very middle class cars, were actually being bought by the upper classes. So oh. they were like, okay, well we're making a new car and we need the name to reflect this new demographic. We need a fancy, lofty, poetic name. So they invited the poet Marianne Murr to suggest some titles. And at the end of it, after she suggested all these titles, they were like. Yeah, we're just gonna go with something a bit more normal. Um, because some of the things she'd suggested were like the mongoose civic, um, the uh utopian turtle top. <laughs> um she was t- clearly like, oh, this is not the job for me. <laughs> I do not want a part of this. Let's just throw some words together and see if they'll pay me for it. Yeah, so I think, you know, that was an instance of her coming together with, like, big capitalist infrastructure. And I think if you took her and put her in the M&M store, she'd just have a field day. 
Oh my God, wouldn't she just? Okay, well, you, you've pretty much sold me on her, but who's your other option? Yeah, so my other option, and you know, this might not be everyone's kind of, you know, uh, like, uh, what's the, uh, I don't know, like object of, you know, sexual like, desire. Maybe not in my wheelhouse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, but basically, in Fathers and Sons uh, by Turgenev, there's this character called Bazarov, and he's like a real kind of political nihilist here to like shake up the bourgeoisie, you know, take the piss out of these, of like, out of like the old guard. And he has so kind of little regard for like the politics of the old order or even the politics of the current order or really his own life or anyone's life. Eventually he like, gets sepsis and dies um but he's really sexy have you ever spoken to anybody about what this maybe reveals in you as a person <laughs> i just think <laughs> i just think i want to bang <laughs> a nihilist <laughs> who dies in their 20s <laughs> i mean don't we all just want to pick that off? I mean, maybe he could pick you up at the end or something. Maybe he like at the end of the dinner party when everyone's a bit fruity on their M&M Bailey's cocktails. Yeah. Yeah. He comes in at the end of the night once we've all been kind of wooed and we've been overwhelmed with all this wit and magic and devilry. Yeah. Uh, and he appears yeah. out in an M&M shirt. <laughs> because in a way it's been, you know, it's been quite a spiritual night. Maybe what we need to just like bring us all down to earth is just someone who doesn't care about or believe in anything. Yeah, just to really just bring it home that yeah. this is all nonsense. And then you'd find him really attractive. It would be lost on me and I'll take my axolotl home. <laughs> Feeling very pleased with my haul that I've undoubtedly stolen from the M&M store. Yeah, with your like brand new bed sheets just... <laughs> wrapped around my shoulders yeah. my two little hats because I've got to wear two of them and my little axolotl <laughs> your axolotl is also wearing a hat it's got the teeny hat and you guys just bang out the M&M store yeah, bang it out yeah <laughs> smashing M&Ms everywhere <laughs> actually that's probably my fantasy would be to be somewhere like that mm. and be so aggressively going at it that you just trash the place just yeah. M&Ms flying none of it is suitable for consumption anymore yeah just getting m&ms and orifices that no one should get m&ms <laughs> you know what people say about like sex on the beach and in my head i'm like sand but in this exactly. case you're like oh m&ms yeah yeah nobody wants to go to bed that night and they would be like what is that I mean, oh <laughs> the blue m&m it's the peanut one. <laughs> oh god the peanut ones are big as well <laughs> I mean, maybe people do want to find the peanut M&M. I don't judge. <laughs> do what you're here to do and live free and be happy. Um, <laughs> I think you've, you've made an evening that is literally unforgettable. <laughs> is there anybody that you really don't want to appear at the doors of the M&M shop? Oh, okay, yeah. I mean, literally any character I've ever written. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're not what you call it party animals do you know what I mean I don't know if going to add to this yeah they're not real like fun loving like <laughs> <laughs> great sorts are they no no I mean we've already got Jude so yeah, exactly we've got Jude we've got our token sad person <laughs> and we've got Evelyn who's also the token unpleasant one so yeah, exactly. we don't... Yeah. we've got our bad man we've got our sad man we don't need any more <laughs> bad or sad people no we absolutely don't I think that's very very fair and it's really funny people seem to find that question harder when you say like who do you want there they can reel off ways I'm like who don't you want and then like people are like oh everyone can come and I'm like mm, do you mean that though ah, you don't mean that <laughs> you just don't no, you want to be polite would you want, like Voldemort turning up like right that's a bollock you know about these things like with his gnarly toenails and stuff no oh, yeah you know like I like noses. <laughs> I really don't want to eat in front of anyone who doesn't have a nose. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> if the nose is completely snake-like and has disappeared. Oh, yeah. it's nails. It's fingernails. Actually, that would be mine. Is people with disgusting nails cannot come in. 
Like, you know, I don't want to know what kind of level of personal hygiene is going on under that big shroud. (laughs) Not a great deal. I'm going to say bathing is not important to that regime um, for any of them, really. But I think that's very fair. We've got some moody additions to the party. You don't need any more. Yeah. Um, And this has been insightful. I have to say, (laughs) this has been a dive into your mind. I'm never going to be able to go in the M&M store again. Look at it. In the same way, I'm going to London soon. If I do pop in a visit, I'm going to tag you and be like, oh, please, please go to the M&M store. (laughs) The scene of all of our miseries. (laughs) I will never be able to eat a peanut M&M ever again without looking at it first. (laughs) Just wondering. (laughs) <laughs> where should you and where shouldn't you go on a human body? <laughs> I mean, I've seen my child get Legos stuck up her nose. Oh. And all I can think about is if you were to get like a whole peanut m M&M up there, mm. what it would take to remove that. Yeah. Takes a force. <laughs> that would be the game for the evening. Who can fit, how many M&Ms can you fit up your nose or in whatever other place you fancy for the evening? Um, I think this is a, a wild night and unlike any other that has appeared on this podcast. Uh, thank you <laughs> for ruining M&Ms for everybody forevermore. Um, and before I let you go and enjoy the rest of your uh, partner-free evening, yeah whatever you yeah. do with that on a wednesday um, roll about on the floor presumably <laughs> what else would you do literally yeah. what else are you reading anything at the moment uh yes at the moment uh i am reading a seven steeples uh by sarah Baum, who's um an irish writer uh so seven steeples is it's really interesting it's a novel about uh this young couple that decide to kind of shuck off all the like fripperies and go live up a mountain together with their two dogs um and it's and it's written really kind of beautifully um and this really kind of uh like hypnotic like uh refrain type rhythm um and yeah and it just and yeah it's really kind of uh transporting like you might like you know the 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 rhythm of the sentences like mimics like the crash of the waves the the blowing of the sea of the mountain breeze and yeah and it's just them basically devolving into mountain people (laughs) there is nothing i want to do less than live up a mountain with my significant other um (laughs) I would probably kill him and eat him. I'm going to be honest with you. It wouldn't last. It, that would probably be within the first 12 hours. Is that what well. your dinner party would be? <laughs> us, us Have you ever seen partner. this film alive? <laughs> That's basically what would happen. No, I could not. Anything that involves like high intense stakes and having to work as a team is probably not our forte. Mm-hmm. And I like, com- I don't like camping. I like comfort. I'd want some kind of like bougie cabin if I was yeah. going to do this. Yeah, yeah. Perhaps, you know, even M&M themed. I'm going to have all these bed sheets that I've stolen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I might as well have somewhere to put them. But that sounds so interesting. I am a big fan of some incredible Irish writers. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you say, I love when the kind of echoes the, the landscape as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm, in, I'm intrigued. Is this a new release? Yeah, yeah. I think it, oh, maybe a, a month ago or so. Oh, um, but yeah, yeah, I just bought it the other week. But yeah, no, it's beautiful. Oh, amazing. Amazing. And I didn't ask you, which I should, are you doing some writing at the moment? Yeah, I am. Yeah, I've, I've started writing a new novel. Um, yeah, because I've decided it's going to be, you know, my credo. I want every novel to be slightly more demented than the last one. Um, How old are you? You've got a way to go. So this is going to be great. <laughs> yeah, by the time we're on like six or seven, it's just, <laughs> you open it and it's just a picture of my butt. <laughs> <laughs> just screaming sound yeah. coming out yeah. of the pages uh, I I am already intrigued and I don't even know what your book's going to be about <laughs> yeah just pictured my butt huge <laughs> excerpts plagiarized from like Kierkegaard <laughs> and just the union of, of those two entities and it'll be a classic I tell okay. you now it, yeah. it'll blow everything else you've ever written out of the water <laughs> that'd be like genius she's so daring and risque <laughs> A force in Irish writing, and you'll be like, Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe the real force in Irish writing was the bots we had along the way. (laughs) I mean, can you tell me anything about your book that isn't about your book? Yeah, okay. So it's it's, uh, about uh, a field novelist who is on um, a writing residency in Paris and is uh, completely, um, you know, impotent in terms of her capacity to write she can't write a goddamn thing um and it's just about her kind of growing um sense of of frustration and chaos in this alien city where she completely feels consistently to to speak the language effectively and you know she's placing such high stakes on on this new work it has to salvage her career but she can't write a goddamn thing and it's about her kind of slow progression into hysterics (laughs) It sounds like if I was to take myself on a writing retreat to Paris, I'd be like, this is where I will write my opus. And I'll just I'll be like, oh my God, no. <laughs> Ordering McBaguettes from the local McDonald's is the only thing I can pronounce, which actually did happen to me and my partner in Paris. Oh, oh it's happened to me in Paris too. You know, there's nothing more humbling than being in a McDonald's in Paris saying, these McNuggets. <laughs> He literally was like, can you order me two plain double cheeseburgers? I was like, no, you can have a mug baguette. <laughs> yes, messy. No, you cannot. And we, I think we ordered like a baguette. And I was like, I've got this. I was like, uh, un jambon baguette, see vous play. And you could just see them like, oh, what a fucking knob. Like, mm-hmm, yeah, honestly, I am. I love Paris. I'm excited to read anything that is set there. And I'm guessing you need to visit, right? For one of those research holidays. Well, yeah, exactly. You know, it would be it would be a crime to the French people for me not to inflict myself upon them. It would. And I mean, I write fantasy predominantly and I don't get to do that. Mm. So whenever people are like, oh yeah, I said it in like the Maldives. I'm like, damn it. Like, this is where I'm going wrong. Yeah, yeah. I, I set mine in a psychotropic dystopian dreamscape. <laughs> but I didn't get to visit for research <laughs> yeah oh well I am very excited you had me at Paris and hysteria <laughs> so I cannot wait <laughs> and thank you so so much for taking the time to chat to me this has been a, <laughs> an experience oh thank you for having me <laughs> I'll see you in the M&M store oh, you will <laughs> lucky land slots asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.